This episode is brought to you in part by Zondervan, publisher of The Perilous Fight, Overcoming Our Culture's War on the American Family, written and narrated by retired neurosurgeon and politician Dr. Ben Carson. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pass the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter at Burns23. Follow at your own risk, as I always say. And I'm joined with the president of the African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, how you doing today? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, brother. There's actually, you know, it's interesting in Pensacola right now. There's this creepy clown scare. Have y'all have you heard about what? this creepy clown scare? No, but I'm already freaked out. Yeah, so it started in South Carolina and it moved down here. So they had to actually put some schools on lockdown yesterday because these people are just standing coming out of the woods dressed as clowns, just standing uh-uh. there trying to scare uh-uh. people. No. See now, nah. so, so we dodging clowns down here, man. <laughs> That's wrong on all kinds of levels. That's terrible. Y'all find something better to do. <laughs> That's right. It's too many movies out here. <laughs> it's real in these streets. Now you got scary clowns, freaky clowns coming up. Oh. <laughs> so Jamar, what we have on tap today? Man, it's exciting. Um, we have a special guest on the line, Pastor Doug Logan of Epiphany Fellowship Camden. This brother has been a mentor to me from afar. I am constantly amazed at why he gives a care about a dude like me, but he'll call me or text me in a minute and say, yo, here's the real deal. And so that's one thing I always appreciate about Pastor Doug is he keeps it real and he's got a new book out or it's about to come out and it's called On the Block, Developing a Biblical Picture for Missional Engagement. Welcome to Pass the Mic, Pastor Doug. Amen. Good to be here. Always appreciate Rand. Praise God for you guys, man. I never met the, the um our brother, but man, so good to hear you. You got that slick voice like your boy Jamar. Y'all sound like <laughs> he taught me. He taught me. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all silly. Um, well, look, before we get into the book, I just want to do a little airing of the grievances. Is that all right? Sure, sure. Let's go. Let's go, All Jamar. Right. <laughs> so whenever Jamar does this, I start rubbing my hands together because I'm saying, what's about to happen? No, oh. no, no, no. It's mild. It's mild. But but I'm a little ticked off. Well, annoyed, I'll say. But I did. So, so I work for the Reformed Theological Seminary. That's where I graduated and got my MDiv, specifically from the Jackson campus. RTS has this series called Wisdom Wednesday, where they'll pick a professor or just somebody associated with theology, and they'll ask them a question and do like a short two-minute video. So they asked me to do one, of course, on on racial reconciliation, specifically, how can a Christian promote racial harmony? And so, you know, I did what I could do in two minutes. I described the arc of racial reconciliation. If you don't know what that is, visit randnetwork.org and look it up in the search box. Um, But they posted it, RTS posted it on the Facebook page and the comments, man, the comments, if I had, if I could put a GIF or a meme on audio, I mean, I'm just shaking my head. So basically, so here's, here's. Can I read one? Is that too bad? Go ahead, brother. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> Let's go. Jamar. All right. Now, so, now, Jamar, you know, you know, the pro tip is you're never supposed to read the comment section, right? Yeah, I know you're not supposed to dive into that, but I did because it was this did. video and paraphrase, right, so, paraphrase. Without using any names, one of them says, "Our dear friend in religious academia is misguided, asking the wrong question. We should be asking, how can a Christian promote spiritual harmony between sinful man and the holy God? We have the mandate to preach the gospel to every creature. Um, if we concentrate on this vertical problem and are truly part of the Lord's body, then the horizontal problems regarding ethnic differences will resolve. Now, oh, it sounds real smooth, right? Right. But the problem is it boils down to just preach the gospel and racism will go away. And it's just it's like facepalm for me because this is what evangelicals have been saying for decades, if not centuries. And it don't work because it ain't true. 
But this is these look, these are folks uh, because of, you know, the, the, the seminary, they probably been through seminary. They may be pastors now, elders, missionaries. And so yeah. this kind of approach to racial harmony is being propagated in the church. And that's what burns me up. So see, Jamar, you being bad cop today. Normally the roles are reversed. Come on now. Well, we got pastor Doug and he can kind of <laughs> take it whatever way. I mean, you're a pastor, man. Um, like, how do you deal? Do you deal with folks in your church who have this mentality or even colleagues? And how do you address it with them? Well, I mean, without going deep, I think that when you say that there's a high level of insensitivity per, first for authentic um, personal pain that one suffers mm. at the hands in a situation. So I've been in a racial situation. I've been emotionally um, and harmed um, me and my family. My wife is white and my children are mixed. I've, I've had nasty things said to me by Christians. And so what it sounds like he's saying is, I guess I should have turned on Fred Hammond and started getting my praise dance on and just worked mm. on my vertical um, you know, relationship with the Lord. And that person would have automatically um, just kicked in and said, okay, he's worshiping so hard. Um, I'm going to stop saying nasty, evil, racial things to him. That's right. not wow. what it is. So God calls us to, um, we, we don't evade that. We step in and we don't step in and start um, slugging it out, but we step in with that gospel he talks about. And so we hold them accountable to the gospel they brag about. We don't remove them from responsibility with the gospel. We hold them to accountability with the gospel, right? You know, we have this same argument in our country. Um, Martin Luther King, his argument was like, the, if the constitution gives these rights to, to all citizens, we just, we want what's there. We want to hold you accountable to what's right. there. And so we do the same thing in the church, black, white. And I have a I have a, almost a half and half black, white church with Latinos as well. And we hold each other accountable um, to, to what the gospel says. As mm. believers, we're saying, well, listen, I know you're right. We should get our praise on and the vertical should work. But when it doesn't, um, what should we do? Should we keep breaking into praise breaks or should we break from praise and have a conversation? Right. And I think that's how we grow. I have children and um, when they cut up, um, they, 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 they get in trouble. They don't get a praise break. You know what I'm saying? They get, <laughs> they get the TV taken. They get the car taken. Something happens. Not, well, you know. I'm going to turn on my CD, my music a little louder with some gospel music. No. And so we just have to hold them accountable and we have to tell them very graciously and nicely that's insensitive to my reality. And um, that's insensitive to my reality. And it, let me back, let me zoom out a little bit. Tyler, this I mean, the, this this person's statement doesn't sound wrong. I mean, right. we, we would agree, right, that that vertical reconciliation with God is paramount because that determines our eternal destiny um i mean what 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 is right about this statement but but you know for the listener who's who's hearing that statement and they're like i don't see what's wrong with it what would you say yeah so i would say that there's not anything necessarily wrong with the statement it's just an incomplete statement yes so, yes. Amen. so when we're talking about the completeness of the statement there's heavier gospel reality than just the vertical. You know, we see according to Paul, Second Corinthians five, he says he's given God has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, so now we tell people, yes, be reconciled unto God. But then there's another level that Christ lived out, and Christ did not just live out just simply vertical relationship, but he lived out vertical perfectly in the in the only way, in the only perfect way that a human ever has. But in the same sense, he loved his neighbor. And he, he said, all the law and the prophets hinge upon these commandments. Well, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we love our neighbor as ourselves. So it's incomplete. It's not wrong. And, and I think that's the, the missing idea is that people assume that we can go through life or go through the Christian life and be discipled and even sadly become pastors and ministers of the gospel 
and not have blind spots and not have sinful hands and sinful feet and sinful mouths uh, that say things and fall short on a continual basis. So we have to get back to holistic gospel and that requires us to read everything, the entire Bible in its context and extrapolate not just the things that are clear and imperatives, but also the indicatives as well, the things that are between the lines and the things that the Lord is consistently placing emphasis on. And one of those is justice and one of those is is fair treatment for all. That's good. And I'll just say this before we move on. What really burdens me is, again, like I said, a lot of these folks are seminarians or graduates. They're leaders in the church now. Right. I think it is urgently incumbent upon our theological institutions to embed conversations about racial harmony from a biblical perspective into the curriculum. Because if folks don't get it in their formal academic training, you know, you go into seminary anyway, right? So let's assume that. Not not saying that every pastor or whomever needs needs formal theological training, but for those who do choose that route, if you're going there and you're not addressing these issues and you come out making statements like this person just did, one of two things is going to happen. One, you'll continue propagating those ideas, which will then spread through the congregation and among Christians generally, and it's going to be harmful to the efforts to deconstruct racism in our society. Or two, you'll eventually learn about it, but you'll learn about it the hard way. You'll learn about it through hurting people, through saying something you shouldn't have Mm -hmm. said, through being insensitive, through repelling people from your congregation that you, you want there. And so if we don't address this in the formative training preparatory phase, then we are going to perpetuate a problem that all of us really want to see diminish and go away. Yeah, I'll I'll give you, before we move on, just a brief example of kind of a blind spot that I saw. Somebody sent me a book recently. I'm not going to give the name of the book, but it was a book and it had an extensive bibliography. It was about preaching, had an extensive bibliography. And so I went back to the bibliography because I'm looking at primary sources. So before I've even read the book, I'm looking at the bibliography. I'm excited to dig in. And from a preaching standpoint, as far as things that are referenced throughout the book, I see no works from people of color um, or specifically from black preachers. And I'm going down the Rolodex and list of all the preachers who I listen to have published works that could contribute to the conversation about preaching in this area. And I'm not seeing any of them. Mm. So for me, again, that's not to say I'm not going to read the book. But it at least makes me take a step back and say, are there any to contribute? Are there any that people have deemed worthy to contribute? Um, and so I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble or anything. It just, you know, again, not mentioning the name of the book. I just read it, it just threw me off. And I said, man, I, I wish there was some some shine given to certain names, and people in the multi-ethnic realm and people um, in traditional black church settings and people in urban ministry like Pastor Logan who are doing this and walking this out on a daily basis and that people can be drawn to those works. So it grieved my heart more than it made me upset. Um, And it just made me think, man, I hope there's more attention drawn to these things. But again, as you say, it's a process, but it has to happen at some point. Yeah. And, and I'll close and I'll close this out in this section with that is you brothers have hit home. Well, communicated far better than me, the comprehensive um, conversation we need to have, the comprehensive understanding we need to have about these matters, we lack, and it's so parsed off, is because we're because often the ideas that that are that um, we derive at are often from our corners. We yeah. gotta get in the room, and I guarantee you, wow. the person who sent that thing to you, um, um, Tisby, would have heard us have this conversation. I guarantee you, he would have grown and probably grabbed and said. Yeah, I guess that's another angle. You know what I'm saying? And so, so. often yeah. we, I hope so as well. <laughs> but uh, but I think if you try to come up with a good answer in isolation, <laughs> it's often that every time I try to come up with an answer in isolation, it's often um, an isolated answer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I need a community answer. That's I got to right. get with some people 
that are opposite of me. Um, you know, we, we, we're seminary cats. I mean, we don't we don't just read the reform thought. We 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 still bang with Immanuel Kant to find out what he's got to say. We still talk. You know, when we think about you know theological thought, philosophical thought, we're reading people who disagree with us. So. <laughs> So that we yes. come with a well-rounded, comprehensive answer that's rooted deeply in, 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 in the Bible and that we can say pastorally with grace, with the, with the hope of not correction, but with the hope of calling people to community, right? We just don't want to correct. We, we're saying if, we, if, we're, if we're friends because of Christ, let's act like friends for real. And if this little piece, and if this piece you're missing, here's my perspective. And it's not just one way. We're going to hear from them something. They're going to hear from us something. Yes. And we're going to mess around and have a gospel gumbo, and we're going to be all right. And so that's the hope. But these conversations ain't happening, um, and we just got to create more of them, more of them. And um, Now, did yeah, you try uh, gospel gumbo, Pastor Logan? I'm just no, wondering. I did. Really, I'm that's just good. Hashtag. That's, that's, it's called randomism. <laughs> that's Jamar's first book right there <laughs> uh, well I think what you're talking about is this idea of doing theology in community which is one of the things that, that Rand hopes to do so I gotta find a way to sort of import this podcast maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll put this in the comment section on that post just, just <laughs> y'all listen to Pastor Doug and, and see if you change your mind but um speaking of community and theology I want to get to this book man on the block developing a biblical picture for missional engagement it's out October 1st 2016 I believe it's your first book Pastor Doug tell it us is. Tell us what it's about and sort of your burden for writing it. Well, man, on the block, um, of course, I'm in Camden, New Jersey, sent out by Pastor um, Dr. Eric Mason out of Epiphany, Philly, my father in the ministry, and um, uh, my coach, man, and, and that's my home church. I served there in a dual, in a dual partnership with um, 10th Presbyterian Church. They both worked together to send me. So in sending me to Camden, New Jersey, um, that year, 2011, 2012, most dangerous city in America. And it's been that, you know, from multiple news outlets, multiple newspapers, all types of Internet, you know, most dangerous, most violent, most poor um, city in America. Man, we want to get in here and get the gospel because um, we think in the in the blistering pains of the city, it's 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 you know, it's a setup for a come up because God can work in the raggediest because he saved me. So I know. Um, he can work. Um, and so therefore, on the block was then the idea for me coming in was to get to the streets and hit the and of course, on, you know, people can call it the street, people can call it the corner. But in in the in, in North Jersey and, and in the northeast where I'm from in New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York region, we call it the block and the, the block has multiple implications. But generally, it's out and about in the life of with the people of, with all the grimy and the grittiness the, the, of the neighborhood. And that's the block. The block has multiple connotations from family to, to crime to an understanding of the dynamics from pit bulls to pizza. It's, it's a <laughs> plethora of, of, of connotations, but overall it's people in need. And we, and just that whole dynamic of taking on the 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 understanding the block because you you know on the in the hood we got block captains they 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 right. get the thing to turn the fire hydrant on and and then you got the undercover block captain I call them the mayor he know everybody business been out there you know what I'm saying been here a long time and so but people respect honor and he knows he knows the block he knows people he finds a way to help make stuff happen I just believe that man with the redeemed reality, man, to bring that aspect, to use the momentum of that and to see that aspect redeemed by the gospel, to utilize that to get into the life and love um, of the block, man. I just thought that if, if we can get together on some helping with some food, some groceries and some electric bill and some broken windows, how much more could we get together around the beauty of the blood of Christ 
um, running down the streets of this block. And so that's mm. the whole idea. So, so for me on the block was, so that whole idea encapsulates my thought process. And so I, so I begin to put together some ideas to do that. In so doing, block party. We know about that. Uh, right, <laughs> so right. block parties that, that were laced and centered around Jesus. Big difference, but not that different. Um, and so all of those things, we just been to incorporate multiple ideas that we might engage people on the streets with the gospel who may never walk through the door, Hmm. but would invite me to the block cookout, to the block party, to the block cleanup and give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And so that's the idea. So the book is, and I've seen uh, so many people come to Christ that way. So Hmm. I said, you know what? God gave me a picture for that. And um and it and it started and it started to shape up smelling so much like the aroma of the scriptures, th- thus the idea of developing a biblical picture for missional engagement because if people had a picture of what I had a picture of the block, then maybe they see an opportunity for the Lord to use them in the heat and in the realities of the block to share Christ and see many and any come to Christ. So that's the whole idea. So you're talking about uh, missional engagement, specifically in the context of the block. Is this mostly for folks in sort of inner city urban settings or can somebody in the suburbs or the country take and apply these things? How would they do that? Well, the beauty uh, the beauty is missional engagement is not relegated to the block. And so that's why I got so much. I got a bunch of Bible in here. And so the Bible is applicable everywhere. And so I think you can have a block even without a block. So there's blocks in rural Kentucky. There's blocks in, right, in right. rural Tennessee. There's blocks in the suburbs of Chicago. There's blocks because there's, there's life activity happening in and around communities, neighborhoods, and locales that, um, um, that people can, can find a way to dive into to missionally engage. How do I know? Because there's church plants popping up everywhere in suburban cities, urban cities, and rural cities, and they're finding a way to engage. So I, this is to help them see the scriptures through a lens to, to power them up, to mm-hmm. let them know you, you, you don't have to turn into, if you will, and I'm seeker friendly. You don't have to, you know, try to bait and switch people with just loving them and then later springing on to the gospel. Nah, you can go with some gospel love and a cookout and some basketball and some Madden. We can do all that together in and of the gospel by missionally engaging people with the gospel through love, gospel, and the prayer. We, 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 we've got to be creative and it's got to flow out of a, a love to see people come to Christ. And so that's the whole idea. It is for everybody because it's the Bible. And um, that's very, now when it talks, when I talk about the block, it's because my stories aren't suburban because I ain't suburban. So, but the Bible is universal, but my stories, they pretty hood, but you can apply it. Can you talk a little bit more about your context? Because you touched on it with some of the facts about the violence, about the, the poverty, Talk a little bit more about the the things you're having and maybe break down some misconceptions about block missions, because what you see here, when we see developing, you know, a biblical picture for missional engagement built into the word missional is missions. So when it comes to block missions, what are some things that people may be misunderstanding? And can you connect that to your context, particularly? Well, well, particularly to my context, you know, we have high literacy here. We have high violence high murder, some of the highest in the country. And so automatically some people can take the idea that, you know, this is not soil for, for, this is not soil for church planting because it will be, it will never be self-sustainable. It's going to be too difficult to teach um, people who can't read and write well. It's going to be the violence and the crime is going to clam you up and you're never, you're going to be nervous all the time. And it's not, conducive for raising children and all of that. And so that pushes people back um, in many ways to have a misconception. And so now they try to treat the urban context as a mission trip, right? And where they come down 
once a year and sort of, um, you know, play with the natives for a little while and bring them some, you know, potato chips. And then they go home and come back next year. But there's nothing here. So often that can happen. Well intended um, and not evil, not on some evil stuff, but on some misguided. Again, we're back at a lack of a comprehensive picture a view of what missional engagement is. Is missional engagement establishing your mercy ministry to come down once a year and bring water ice and snow cones to the kids in the urban context and then go home after you've taken a bunch of pictures with them and posted them? Or Hmm. is it a constant daily crockpot grind of going down to be here, live here, love here, labor here, raise family here. And because I believe that um, the gospel can flourish. So I don't want to just call the mission to Camden a mercy ministry, right? I Because I'm called by this beautiful commission in Matthew 28 to take the gospel to the whole world. Hmm. And so if I'm taking the gospel to the whole world, that has to include the impoverished, broken, inner city, ethnic minority communities that are are that are financially broken, violently broken, family broken, that all counts. And if the same Holy Ghost takes me to a safe place, so-called safe place, then that same Holy Ghost can surely work in the most depraved, messed up place because everybody who's a Christian today, the Holy Ghost worked in a depraved place called their heart. Yes. And, yes. and I just think people think that their hearts are less are less depraved than the streets. And that's just not true. Your 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 heart is as equally depraved as these streets. And so um yeah, so I so I just and 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 a second piece that's a misconception, brother, is the self-sustainability is a real issue. Make no mistake. Um I'm praying often and meeting with some wise people often to try to figure that out so we can see a movement happen. However, that's what I was going to ask was was how do you pay for this because you're in a context where even your 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 parishioners your congregants uh because of the poverty and the low income levels can't necessarily be self-sustaining as 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 far as you know paying a pastor individually so I mean what are some ways you found to fund this ministry just getting real nuts and bolts you don't have to name names or anything like that, but just strategies for folks who are doing this kind of work. You know, I partnered with a, with a, with a good group of folk from the beginning, 10th President Epiphany, Philadelphia, um, and, um, and their financial support has been awesome, but not just their financial support, but their webs of relationships have pushed me out to other relationships um, that help us to fund the mission. And um, people get excited at those churches and some want to move down be a part of. We've had people move from other states, other cities to move in and around Camden to be Mm. a part of this, to help to bring um, stable, solid families to be a part of it as we in a crock pot cook up um, um, people who need um, more energy, more help um, to develop and more time. And so we just I need a group of patient people and I need some supporters that are patient but we know them, right? We got people who, who, who invested in companies before they weren't nothing, and they just sat on that money for 12, 20 years, and the next thing you know, it turned into something. Next thing you know, mm-hmm. we buying Starbucks, $7 cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and so I just pray that people will see. So I, by God's grace, I've been graced with a bunch of supporters that are in it for the long haul. They're saying... We believe God is at work. We believe um, um, God is doing something there and it's going to take longer. And so we ride with them. And by God's grace, again, those webs of relationships pull people in from different churches. We've had people move here from New York. We've got a couple that moved here from Tennessee. We had another couple that moved here from Pittsburgh. Another couple praying about moving from North Carolina. We've had couples move from all around. We just had a couple that was with us. They moved to Japan and they served in the tour. He moved back. And Mm. bought him a house from Japan in Camden to be a part of this. And so, yeah, man, it's God just takes, you know, I talk about this, man. God, God has an ability to take scraps and Mm. make mosaics. You know what I'm saying? And he just does that. And um, I I mean, I grew up in the hood. So 
my mother could take three nights of leftovers and make a gourmet feast. You know what I'm saying? So God is has the God is better cooked than my mama. He can he can cook with some broken folks, some whole folk, mix it up. And next thing you know, man, we we eating good and making it. So by God's grace, it's gonna come with heavy partnership. Of course, you know, I'm a part of Acts 29 Network. Um mm -hmm. I'm in the PCA and Fellowship Associates. Um, Dr. Bill Wellens, one of my one of my heroes in the faith, man, them cats. So so many people have seen a need for this. And they didn't just see a need to help Doug Logan and Eric Mason, but they saw a need for us to create something. And so we're no longer anomalies, but by God's grace, man, we'll be setting up some other folk as that's happened through Acts 29 in that we um, there was a catalyst fund for urban ministry. And I'm planting two guys, hmm. one in Epiphany Wilmington, one in Epiphany Baltimore. And there's another guy um, planting... We're all, me and Dr. Mason work together to plant them so they're from both of us. And another guy planting in Southeast Philly, hmm. Southwest Philly. There's no such thing as Southeast Philly. Southeast Philly is Camden. So Southwest Philly and Acts 29 sponsored those guys to go through our residency and um, paid their salary, man. Just paid it. And wow. man, those guys are graduating the residency. Pastor Trev has moved down. Pastor Derek has moved down. And those two cities are both in the top. 20 most dangerous violent cities in America. Mm. And there will be a solid gospel preaching reformed voice in those cities, missionally living, challenging the devil, drug dealers, and every mm. entity that would try to rise up on Christ and preach in Christ's reign in those cities through wow. a God. movement over and above just an anomaly. We And we want to see multiple churches launched that will yeah. do that. Now, now, Pastor Doug, uh, that is so encouraging to hear. Years ago, I heard a talk from you at a youth, and, and I just heard it via podcast. It was like a youth workers talk about trauma. And it was it was talking about trauma in urban areas, in the hood. And some of the things that you had particularly, you told some stories. And, and when you think about that, I think people may be disconnected from the personal emotional trauma that you and your team will see on a daily basis just from living life with people. Can you talk a little bit about, can you, can you soften our hearts towards that a little bit? Can you tell a little bit about what you're facing on a daily basis? And yes, we do know that the gospel is working, but that there is a broken and a fallen world and a broken system that is playing itself out on the streets of Camden every day. Oh yeah, man. Um, so often, brother, let me tell you something. Some people from the sideline can say they just need to get a job and they need hmm. to stop being lazy. And let me tell you something. I two two particularly young men um have said to me they know where their father lives, which is within a couple of blocks from their house, and they've never met him. Hmm. Two particular men met their father for the first time. One of them told them Asked him if he had $5. He was 15. He was 15. He lived within a couple blocks of his dad for his whole life, right? And he said, no. He said, I should F you up. That was the first words his father ever said to him. Hmm. Now, this young man smokes weed. And he's promiscuous. Sexually promiscuous. And he's hurt. And, he's, and he talks slick. Now, if I from the sideline just say he needs to clean, wash his mouth out with soap, he needs to get a job and stop smoking, that's his problem. Well, then I've just removed the reality that fatherlessness, brokenness, depravity, pain, and the trauma of knowing your father lives two blocks away and has never walked to speak to you, never mm -hmm. said hello or good morning, never hugged you. So many men, when, you know, I tell people, man, love you, bro. So many men have said to me, you're the first male that ever said that to me. Wow. And so am I justifying weed smoke and crime? No, I'm just saying there's a reality of trauma that we have to do the deep work of spending time pouring our lives out being rejected and hated because those same people you love, they will still reject you and hate you because they're still hurting. 
right? And hurting people hurt people. Right. But it's worth the trauma I suffer as I see so many of them come out. And I'm rejected probably by as many that come out, <laughs> um, yeah. that come in. But to see those people meet Jesus, um, to see those people, to see those people get jobs, to see those people marry their girlfriends of 12 years that they've been living with, to see them pay child support for children they've ignored through the gospel, through discipleship, through accountability, and to see them process their trauma, to see them cry at pain finally and not go do something violent to handle their pain, but to cry and ask me to pray, man, it's worth its weight. And that's a slow cook. That's a slow cook. Folk ain't coming out of that with, you know, a quick praise break and a shout. And then they just come out. Don't hear me. Don't get me wrong. That, that could happen. But that hasn't been my experience with the tons of men that I've walked with in my five years in Camden. But I have experienced the joy of trauma relief. And I have and it has softened my heart to the realities that. We are so far behind in the urban context, more than we could ever imagine. But I do believe that a hustler who's a drug dealer running these streets, who's doing illegal business, <laughs> avoiding police for years, yeah. I think when he gets saved, he's going to be a powerful executive pastor when the Holy Ghost gets hold to him. Hmm. I, I, I think these guys who can convince people to follow behind them in their evil when the Holy Ghost gets in, when the Lord's and praying that the Lord saves them, they're going to be compelling preachers to the same way they call people to follow them in evil. They're going to call on them to walk with them in Jesus. That's my prayer. And I think there's um, that God uses the turnaround. And I tell you, when I look at first, when I look at the Bible, I see Paul going into violent people who never heard of God and hated them. And then I see churches popping up everywhere. <laughs> this yeah. is fertile soil. Camden is fertile soil for a gospel movement. Yeah, and that is encouraging. It's it's funny, you know. Last week, J Jamar was was talking about uh, the LDR weekend in St. Louis, and he said they were hooping and laying hands up there. Now you talking about praise breaks and the Holy Ghost in Camden? Oh, what's going on in the PCA, <laughs> man? We <Where> y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we trying to take them back to their roots, Doc. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> now, Pastor, what 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 is your heart for for future? What would you say? You know, someone listening, maybe coming from a traditional standpoint, they're saying, "I got nothing." I'm I'm in a Southern Baptist context. I'm in a PCA context. I'm in the South, wherever they may be, disconnected from Camden. Talk a little bit about the transference of the block to wherever people live, from the suburb to the rural community who needs the gospel as well. T talk about the transference of these principles, because I can imagine some people sitting back saying, wow, shedding a tear, that's sad, I'll pray for them, but then becoming still disconnected as they walk out of their door tonight. Yeah, I, I don't want them to disconnect comprehensive depravity of all men and try to put steroids on the depravity in the hood. That's hmm. that's what you do. So 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 some people think Jesus got to do special push-ups and drink a special energy drink when he goes deal with the depravity of the hood, but he can just drink a sprite when he goes to the suburbs. Oof. That's not that's not how it works. Wow. You know, um, we're all there's an there's an equality of brokenness comprehensively, and 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 from that perspective, now we become authentic missionaries, right? Because we go and after all those who don't know Christ, every, every heart with Christ is a missionary, every heart without Christ is a mission field, right? I don't know right. who said that. I forgot who said that. I think it was Roland Allen. And so, mm. um, and so yeah, so now we, we're going after everyone. That's the beauty of the gospel we preach. It is for everyone. And the gospel is for the lost and the found. So it energizes me to go hard for those who haven't met them. And so when they hear this, I want them to hear that there are depraved, broken people that who are lost in their commu communities, hiding behind the safety and the stability that maybe money and education can provide, but still without Christ and without hope, right? Yes. Um, Ephesians 3. And so now when they hear these stories, they need to align their story. They need to understand that this story aligns with broken people people who need Jesus, people outside of Christ, and with the church who can get 
um, lazy when it comes to reaching the least, last, and the loss, as we're trying to build churches, as we're trying to build numbers, as we're trying to have a fly-looking um, um, Instagram post with our cheats loaded, you know, what gets lost is the broken, least, last, and lost person in the suburbs of California and in the rough streets of Detroit. And so churches got to go for both of them um, after the least, last, and lost. So I don't want them to de- I don't want them to just cry a tear for people on my block. I want them to shed a tear for people down the street from their house that's hiding behind their Sunday school pictures that are taped to the refrigerator, but without Christ. And they need an aggressive, intentional missionary to go after them, to engage them, to point them to Jesus, to show them the scriptures, to give them the love of Christ and take that. And so often, and then also, I don't want people to read this book and tap out. And, you know, some of my white brothers might say, well, that's for the block. You know, I'm in the suburbs. Nah, mm -mm. no, it's for it's for anyone who needs. And listen, I'm not an expert necessarily. I'm not. I'm not, I don't have the way. I've just got some ideas that I've used that the Lord has breathed on. And I'm hoping it sparks them to get a heart for the lost in those, in the, in whatever place they live to go after them. And because they're going to have to see my techniques in the block. Listen, (laughs) listen, man, I go outside my door right now. I got, I live in a row home. Let me, let me put on some, let me put on some Lecrae. Hmm. And 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 start burning some chicken out there, out in front, man. Please, yo, <laughs> Diddy, what's up? What's popping? Right, right. That's right. open season on sharing the gospel with a bunch of people. However, I think my suburban brothers have a tougher nut to crack, because how do you get through the driveway? <laughs> how do you get through That's the right. automatic garage door That's open? Right. How do you get into the fifty-five square hundred? house how do you get past the the nba um mercedes how do you get through those things he's got a tough missional code to crack himself and so i don't want him to look at my urban soul as more important than their suburban soul but i want them to see the absence of christ like paul did in athens he saw the absence of the worship of god and it provoked him to try to take the gospel where he was at that moment. He didn't say, I'm going home. I'm, people ain't worshiping God in Athens. I'm going to Tarsus. Nah, he broke out into some sharing of that gospel right there. And I'm praying that people will walk around in the suburbs and say, there's people without Christ here. Man, maybe Doug has a biblical picture for missional engagement. Maybe within that book, he's got some, some help, some strategies to point me to come up with some some creative ways to reach my people. That's the hope. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It sounds like Pastor Doug, you got a couple of books yeah, on the inside right. of you that is just just bubbling up. Get ready, get ready. I I don't. Amen, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was this was torture for a little boy from Patterson. But yeah, but I did. But I had those guys in mind, man. I had so many people in mind. I get brought in to talk about evangelism and missional engagement. And um, I remember a good friend of mine, man, I was, I was, they was asking, well, how things are going? And we were all gathered around. And I said, man, this dude came to Christ. And then, man, I was at the store and this, man, I was sharing the gospel, this dude came to Christ. And they've been coming to my house and helping me rebuild my house in Camden. This was 2011. And then he said to me, man, how come you always be leading people to Jesus? <laughs> I said, <laughs> and so we started laughing. And I says, man, I don't got no silver bullet. And then he said, he says, but Doug, man, it's like you never met a stranger. And so I'm like, well, bro, listen, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, listen, I got a lot of sisters, a lot of family. I'm just used to having a house full of folk all the time. So I'm used to talking to everybody. So, That's right. And so, yeah, man, so he just said, man, I really want to talk to you about that. I came and did some stuff with them at their church. Um, I did other stuff at churches. I've shared you know, some stuff at Legacy over the years with um, Brian Dye, who I love, doing a great job. And and so, yeah, man, so I said, man, you know what? It'll save me a lot of airfare if I can just get some of this stuff in a book and then um, <laughs> they can, <laughs> and I can sleep in my bed and they can just take it and they don't even have to cite me. They can just steal it. 
<laughs> That's good. Well, hopefully, you know, sales from this bad boy will be enough. You don't have to write another book. You don't have to even worry about your funding for the church because uh, we are definitely going to promote it. Um, I have enjoyed getting to know you over the years. Grateful that you are a brother and a mentor. So look for a review on Ran Network coming pretty soon. Uh, so you can you you can you can get a little bit more background that way. But uh, order it wherever books are sold. It's called On the Block. It is a biblical picture for missional engagement. Pastor Doug, what you reading right now? Man, um, I've I've jumped into some preaching stuff. Um, yeah, I'm reading an older book, um, Black and White, um, Warren Wiersbe and E.K. Bailey. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, and I've just I'm on. I could talk yeah, about E.K. Bailey. <laughs> um, the the yeah. He, he, if if preaching was gymnastics, he wouldn't need a net. That's how good he Come preached. On. Come on. <laughs> that's that's so, the way yeah, to say it. So E.K. Bailey. So yeah, I'm just. Just really trying to, um, as I'm planting guys and have, you know, several sons in the ministry, man, I just trying to, um, and as the, as the demographic is, the multi-ethnic demographic, multicultural demographic is shifting throughout all these inner cities, man, I, you know, I just want to um, um, improve on my preaching personally and improve on my ability to teach it. Um, I just sat with one of my professors from Capitol Seminary, um, Dr. Pelton, Dr. Randy Pelton wrote a wrote a great book, Preaching with Accuracy, and I just read his book, and me and him just built were building over at the campus for like eight hours, man. And I just was taking his stuff, and I said, Dr. Randy, we just got to put some collard green juice and hot sauce on chapter three, <laughs> and then you know what I'm saying we just got to put a little little cornbread on chapter eight, but it's good right now. But I'm telling you, we could we could move it. From deli to from a delicatessen sandwich to some soul food with just a few little seasoned salt, we can make right, it work. Right. And so, <laughs> and so I'm and and I just and I, so I challenged him and he challenged me and we just talked about preaching. So um, um, we went and we looked through some books and we just grabbed a few, talked about it, had a great time. So I'm I'm reading a lot about preaching. Um, I want to be a good preacher. I want to be a co- good communicator, and I want to be able to teach that to these upcoming plants, um, Wilmington, Baltimore, and, um, yeah, and, um, and the guys with me, Pastor Ernie, Pastor Joe, yeah, I just want to be, um, a blessing to them, and I'm a lifelong student, so I'm not a master, I'm a student, so I just want to stay sharp, um, so, um, so I don't get fired for being irrelevant, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's a good word. One thing is for sure, whatever you're doing up there in Camden, Y'all be eating good. Like I can tell. Man. I can tell. You know. Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> hungry for the word and for some soul food. Some soul food on two levels. Come on, come on through, Doc. Come on through, Doc. We'll take you. We'll take you right to Corinne's on Hatton Ave. Uh oh. Uh oh. Pork Scott. chops, Cajun turkey, Doc. Ah. Doc, yeah. Y'all, y'all mess around. Lead a PCA. Then next thing you know, they, they gonna say. Doug gonna convert him to Baptist. Got him, <laughs> got him eating the Baptist bird, the chicken. You know what uh, I'm saying? So. <laughs> well, that's good. Tyler, any final thoughts? No, this has been very encouraging. Pastor Doug, thank you so much for just putting your heart into this and for sharing some time with us here on Pastor Mike. Oh man, and i and I'm gonna be having a release soon here in Camden to launch out. Um the of course the book release is October 1st, but I'm gonna have a big thing here with that. Um um, my sons, um, Aaron and Avery, work deep with me. I have three sons, 18, 19, and 28. Um, Bernie's my oldest man. And so we've worked on a few shirts, a little clothing line, some hats, and some mm. stuff. And we'll have a free um, CD that'll be going out on the block. It's called Music from the Block for the Block. And that'll all be free with the book. So there'll, wow. be, some, there'll be some clothing available for sale. And along with um, a free CD um, that you can download with the book. So, man, I'm just excited. I, I knew a lot of people in the hood weren't going to buy my book. So I said, I got to engage them. So let me give them something free. And maybe they might mess around and buy the book. or That'll work. You know, because that's, that's I give it out. Call, that's what they call vertical alignment in, in marketing. Wow. Amen. amen. So I'll probably get more downloads than sales, but I'll take it. I'm just trying to get this tool in folk hand, man, to encourage, inspire, and hopefully rewrite the narrative of of many and any 
um, seeing the seeing the law lo- the lost as a missional imperative, not just as a a, a a scaffold to build a church and then take the scaffold down. But might, we might be lifelong missional engagers um, that we might reach many and any with the gospel. So that's the hope. Um, yeah, and so we'll be unleashing. Last thing I'll tell you is we um, part of the book was I wanted to release something called On the Block Collective. It's a collective of blog, podcast, the clothing, um, and we're going to have an On the Block conference in July of 2017. And Dr. Wow. Steve Childers already said he's going to come down and grace us. And I got a whole host of multi-ethnic, ethnic minority leaders that are going to teach um, multiple strategies for evangelism, discipleship, missional engagement in every context. I'm going to have black dudes, white dudes, Latino dudes. It's going to be a host of people. So be on the lookout for some of the stuff I'll send out um, about the On the Block Collective Conference in July right here in the great city of Camden. Word. Well, we're looking forward to that. Definitely keep us posted. We would love for Rand and Pastor Mike to be a platform for that. Thank you so much, Pastor Doug. Thank you, Pastor Doug. As always, guys, we want you guys to to follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at underscore Pastor Mike. You can follow me personally at Burns23, Jamar Tisby at Jamar Tisby. Um, Pastor Doug, you have a Twitter? Pastor D-Logue. Pastor D-Logue. Yeah, Pastor D-E-E-L-O-W-G, Pastor D-Logue. And you can obviously follow the, the website as well, at Rand Network. We want you to subscribe on iTunes and also the Satchel app as well. Um, if you're an Android user or an iOS user who wants to use the Satchel app, we encourage that. Continue to leave, rate, and review us. We've received some excellent reviews from some people who have just said that Pastor Mike has encouraged them and helped them. All that feedback, the, the quickest and easiest way to get a hold of us is by reaching out to us via Twitter. But all that feedback has been incredibly encouraging for us. And then also, finally, join the Pastor Mike private Facebook group. It's about 800 people in there, mixed group multi-ethnic, not all reformed um, from different denominations, but have come together with the sole purpose of walking out reconciliation according to the gospel, both vertically and horizontally as well. So you don't want to miss out on the conversations that are happening there. But other than that, thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the next Pass the Mic. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.